Georgia Dow is a therapist, but she's not your therapist. This show should not substitute a personal consultation with a professional. Georgia. <gasps> you did not just shut your mouth. You did not. I, I, I've looked at some of the, the videos of the iPhone scratching the jet black iPhone and uh, it's, it's too much for me. Trader. It's too much. Trader. I am a trader. I'm going team rose gold. <gasps> Christina talked uh, me into it. And you know, Christina's about Micah. She's a bad influence on you too, right? Oh I yeah, mean, absolutely. We'll get you to spend all the money, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. She's really dangerous. So I don't make my decisions. Christina Warren makes my decisions. So Same. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my Vader black phone is going to mock <laughs> Your last year's pink. I'm Wait, just saying. Okay. In, okay. In, by the, right before the uh, 7S comes out, when it actually ships? <laughs> I, have, I have it now. You have it now? You have it? I have oh. It now. It's gorgeous. Is really? It? It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. Yeah. All it, right. It, the, when the screen is off, it's just a pure black Vader phone. It is. You really um, have it? I really have it. <laughs> or do you have Renee's? I have Renee's. Oh, oh, they're kind of. But the same I, I have it, so I feel like you deserve anything in Renee's house, right? Like you just go over well, there. Well, really, and take you it. just wait yeah. till he's looking yeah. away and you run really fast. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. And then you just yeah. drop. You just make drop a few of his watches. He has to pick them up, and then this you just keep true. running. Yeah, they can't. They cannot stay on the ground for very long. They can't stay on the ground, and then you run, run. Smart technique. I'm just imagining Renee playing a game of 52 pickup with Apple watches now, and that's that. That's that's warming the cockles of my heart. So he he really has a problem. Have you tried talking to him, Georgia? Like, if you're like Renee, I'm not. I'm not sure this is making good decisions. You do. You do understand that would mean that I would not have this phone right now. That's true. That's yeah. true. Okay. Yeah. Exploit, exploit that that weakness. Just go for That's it. it. That's it. All right. All right. And well. and we have similar weaknesses. So you know, I'm still waiting for my watch. I can't. Oh, really? He, he doesn't know what year it is either. Oh <laughs> no! That one. That one's just mine. Is, yeah. He's oh, actually brilliantly good at dates. It's not good. It's not good. Though okay. we both, Renee and I, both get lost anywhere. Well, actually, in fact, I think I did that today. I was writing something and I needed to know where, um, or like uh, what, what year even the, this program had launched. And he had like day, month, hour. You, you weren't going to uh, message which, me and ask me? No, no. <laughs> which phase of the moon it was. See, I Bri, mean, you have ruined all. that for me. You see, no one even asks now. They know. They're like, yeah, I'm not going to test Georgia. I, it had to come out, Georgia. <laughs> you know, truth. secrets secrets destroy relationships. Okay, so, well, you know, I regret nothing. Have I we explored nothing. the possibility that Renee is actually a Terminator in disguise waiting to take over the human race? I try not mm. to think about that. Okay, mm, that's fair. That'd be very scary. Yeah, because it does sound a little bit like a robot, and that, that should be worrying. We'll have to put him on robot or not. Oh, that'd be glorious. Well, no, because if he's found out, that might trigger the the protocol. You know, John would John <laughs> uh, John probably already knows. John probably Even already if has. We a, know 
we probably should not uh, say anything because that's going to get the robot to come after you. So that's oh, why I'm trying not to think smart. about it. smart. Even yeah. if we know, we make sure that he doesn't know. So he doesn't know we, we know. know. He knows. Right. Know. right. right. Yeah. You know? okay. I, I'll tell you something. I don't fear robots. If Renee is a robot... <laughs> Bring it on. I will crush him in a drill press, just like in Terminator 2. Like, you know, I'm not scared of a Terminator robot. Now, but, how close you are know? you to a drill yeah. press? I I, I don't know one. where one is. I'm sorry. Um, I keep one in my back pocket all the time, you know, just for that occasion. Yeah. The really? Yeah. It's one of those clamp ones, right? Yeah. I, like, see your jeans I, 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 have, I have tactical jeans. Tactical jeans? Not, tactical not tacky jeans? Yeah. jeans? No, tactical. not ta- tactical yeah. jeans. Yeah, got oh, it, okay. got it. Okay. Does that mean uh, genetics, or does he mean like the pants? Yes, yeah. uh, we we should we should get <laughs> into things this week, and we are going to to hit it off talking about uh, some some pretty serious stuff. Um, so there there was a Mike article published, and I want to start off by saying that uh, you know it even says in the article too. They start off by saying that. Uh, these are anonymous people, and they did vetting and verifying through documents. Uh, and this is, you know, this is the report. So this is uh, us reporting on that report. So basically, what is what's going on here is that uh, there are Apple employees who say that the reason that they are dealing with mental health uh, concerns and issues is because of the hostile work environment at Apple. And I want to quickly touch on three things that really stood out to me before we break this off into a discussion. So one of the things was a a person who works at Apple um, attempted suicide. And upon attempting suicide, they were hospitalized. And ever since that point, uh, employees and managers actually refer to the uh, anyone who started to display mental health issues as binning out. So the the pseudonym that they chose for this person was Bin, and so they started calling it binning out at work, which is just absolutely awful, and it it stops people from being able to to speak about these things. Uh, another thing is this quote: "Everyone just looks at you and laughs at you because you're talking about Apple, and Apple is so central and so loved that no one will talk to you." And that's specifically talking about trying to find help either through legal means or, frankly, through other means, uh, people will not want to be a part of that because it's Apple. And last but not least, the thing that stood out to me that I think is a a clear culture kind of uh, estimator is the fact that we we know about how Foxconn ended up having to install suicide nets at one point because there were so many employees that worked at Foxconn that were jumping out of windows uh, to commit suicide. Well, the, apparently there is a phrase, according to this article and according to the employee, that uh, Foxconn has nothing on Apple is is the phrase that goes around. Well, you know, um, I think we can't really talk about this topic without talking about the, you know, all the reporting that Mike has done lately, um, you know, this particular reporter. Um, and I have to say her, her first kind of blockbuster Apple piece um, – you know, I I was among the people that had um, a few concerns about the way it was reported. Um, you know, to me, watching um, Apple uh, keynotes, I see a really big increase in the number of women. I think her point about there being, um, you know, like women only speaking for nine minutes out of what was it, 89, was fair. But I, I, I kind of, I, I thought that 
article is the weakest of her three. Um, her last two, including this one, have been just really, really, really strong pieces. Uh, her last one was talking about some really disturbing cases of uh, you know outright uh, sexual discrimination and harassment at Apple, uh, you know, based on um, chains from an email. Uh, these include some some things that are just shocking, like not letting um, women apply for promotions within the company, and then uh, managers secretly appointing men to those positions. And, you know, reading these allegations today, I have to say, like, do you guys have friends that work at Apple? Because I do. I know a lot of women engineers that work at Apple. And it's, it's, it's true. I mean, it's true based on what they tell me. You know, I don't work at Apple, but it seems very, very, very believable to me that the kind of um, you know, reality distortion field that they're famous for kind of stops people from feeling really free to talk about problems um, with the culture. I mean, it's hard in any area of tech to you know, be a woman and speak up and say, you know, I'm not feeling heard or respected here because guys, their defenses just get raised like that. Um, and I can just see it being that much worse at Apple. So um, I found this story extremely credible. Yeah, I'm not as I, I think that the the piece with uh, that she did on on women in Apple, I think that that was more credible than this one. In that, you know, I see a lot of people. Any big company, there's going to be people that are going to be harassed, unfortunately, and and that needs to change. And I'm not saying that this is not an issue. And the way that we deal with mental health issues is not poor across the board. I I see no numbers in this that would support that this is any worse. And I'm not saying that it isn't. I'm just saying that there is no support that this would be any worse than any company of that number. Unfortunately, and I think that it might be because she doesn't actually know how many people are severely depressed and, and mildly depressed just in the population at large and how being able to work with other people under high-stress situations um, it's very difficult to speak about that and how people become uncomfortable and don't know how to speak to someone else that's going through issues. And so they deal very poorly about that. So I think that part of that is our own education system. It's uh, culture, the way that we would stigmatize and demonize people that were dealing with various issues. So that so much so that it was something that we felt ashamed of and we felt that we had to stay quiet about are these numbers the same that are from uh, like Foxconn? It doesn't seem so because there's not those numbers. These are case studies, which are definitely true. And they, we need to have better systems in place to be able to help people. And I think that it's great that we hold Apple to a higher standard than other companies. But I don't know if that's fair. And so from this, if I had actual numbers of the amount of people, which of course no one would want to share for the exact reason of stigmatization, that are dealing with feeling suicidal or severely depressed and not being able to carry that through to uh, talk about it with the company and them not supporting them getting help, then I think that this would be more reliable. I think that this is riding on the popularity of two other Apple stories, and so that's why it's the Apple company that's dealing with that. But, you know, every single company, it is so exceptionally pervasive. Depression hits a vast majority of people, one in three in your lifetime, you will feel depressed at some point in time. And so these numbers seem actually small in comparison to the the actual scope of what they're dealing with. But I don't know if Apple is any worse than any other company with dealing with this when you're dealing with a really can, large, high-pressure company. Can I say something company. really quickly? 
please. Can I say something really quickly about that, Georgia? Um, you know, I know Melanie. Um, I don't know her well. I'm not friends with her, but I certainly follow her work. Um, and I think, like, um, I, I just kind of feel a need to speak up for her and say um, she's someone that I imagine if you talk to her, she would have a very accurate picture about our systematic issues with depression and lack of mental health care. So I just kind of feel need to you know, stand up for her there. But you know, why, why would she that? have sure. such a good, a good scope of that? And I'm not saying that she wouldn't, I'm just asking from my, con- well, a, she works at Mike, which is a, a very, there's a certain culture that a reporter has there. Um, it just, you know, from following her on Twitter and conversations I've had, like she gets this stuff, you know, I, it's my guess that like, she's not reading a story or two and saying, Oh my God, this is epidemic. I think I would guess that she would know that, you know, this is a certain portion of the population, but even beyond that, Georgia, I think what my, um, my logical critique would be of your, your argument here is there's no reporter that can go into Apple and get any kind of numbers with it, you know, on, on healthcare incidents. Um, you know, this is a reporter trying to get information from a company that is famously closed off from a company where you can get fired for talking to the press. And, you know, she's doing the best that she can with anonymous sourcing. And I would posit to you that there's, you know, under the argument you just gave me, there's nothing that a reporter could do to convince you that this was a problem at Apple. If she um, gave numbers, and, yeah. if she had actual numbers and scope uh, to it, then I would feel much more secure in it as they did with the stories on Foxconn. Well, I think Foxconn, they have the, you know, Apple came in there from the top and was able to kind of mandate that public come out to the, you know, that information come out to the public. I don't think Apple's going to share that with, um, you know, people out in the mainstream. But I, I guess my point is, you know, we see this a lot. You know, we even see it in the Relay Slack. And, you know, certainly those of us that comment on Apple see it when we you know, talk on Twitter with people that read our work, that there is a knee-jerk need to defend the company there. And I'm not accusing you of that here, Georgia, but you want to give your friends the benefit of the doubt or things that you like the benefit of the doubt. But I have to be honest and say, like, what I hear when I talk to every single woman I know that is an engineer for an app for Apple or every single guy I know that's an engineer for Apple. And they tell me things like a, a culture that's kind of resistant to, you know, challenging ideas from the top down, a culture that is very resistant to letting you take, um, you know, like work from home or take personal days. Um, I just, to me, it adds up to, it, it seems like it would be very credible to say this is a bigger picture, but obviously I can't know that for sure. Yeah. And, and and I mean I think that even if it's at the same level as other companies in in Silicon Valley, right? Like Apple puts themselves out there as being like the more socially responsible company. So they're they're kind of held to a higher standard in that regard that you would not expect a report that is as damaging as this is to come out about them given the other stands that they take. There's, I think there's something to be said for, you know, people are just going to knee-jerk, you know, defend the company. And there's probably a little bit of disbelief in terms of what they're saying publicly and then how things are happening inside inside One Infinite Loop. But, you know, this is why this is so damning. And, and I, when I read the article, I mean, with a company that large, I'm sure that you're going to get 
some, you know, instances where people are behaving badly. But the fact that these were being reported and not acted on is is I don't want to say worse, but I think that's the most damning part of this of that report was that there these are being reported to the top where where management is supposed to be doing better and improving, you know, the environment for everyone. And they're and they're just letting it slide. And so I think that's really where the worst of it is, because you hear Tim Cook saying a lot of things, and then these things are reported to him, and he allegedly just didn't act on it until after this report came out. Well, and I think another important thing to note here, you know, whenever we kind of talk about how up until this point, I haven't really, I mean, we haven't really heard any negative press for Apple surrounding things like this. Yeah. And so that's part of the reason is like right now it's it's right in front of us. And so, yes, it might be happening in other companies, but somehow Apple it does has happen been in able... Other companies. Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, rather. Yeah, it it yeah. is happening in other companies, but Apple has been able to evade uh, any, you know, press or, or criticism pointed their way, uh, or its way, rather. And so... I, you know, this is the first time that we are seeing some, you know, multiple reports coming out about the company and talking about these things. And it's almost, you know, I take it less as like, Apple is the one company that is causing all of these concerns and making, it's not about that to me. What it is to me is that this happens at Apple, comma, two, period. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, at least in, in my mind, because I have been such a big fan of the company, you know, there always has been sort of like, well, you know, that, that company can do no wrong. And those things don't happen there because they've got, you know, these things in place or what have you. And it's just a, a thing that says, look, this can happen anywhere. It does happen everywhere and that includes apple that's how i have have kind of taken these these articles that have popped out so i appreciate that in that sense just to uh bring to light the fact that uh these things happen even at the company that uh, so many of us adore and that's a, a factor and something that has to be taken into consideration and if that's the thing that gets upper management to put in programs and really start to investigate this then i think that's good and i hope that you know changes do take place yeah and i mean i guess there's there's also kind of the fact that Apple is one of those companies that, you know, there are so many people that want to work for Apple that you maybe managers can get away with more to some extent, too, because it's less likely people give that, them passes. You know, there are some people who will think that maybe this is just what I have to put up with to work to be able to work at Apple. It be if you you know, if you look at it as a privilege and you look at that, you're the person who you know, who's working there, who, you know, there are 10 people who will replace you in a second. If you, if you say something, it may disincentivize some reporting of these things when they do happen, which allows more of this stuff to fester, you know? Do you really think that's true though, Steve? Because what I hear, you know, and I go to Silicon Valley all the time. Um, you know, I certainly know people that work at Apple, but, you know, a lot of the you know, mid-level and senior level engineers I know would not work at Apple because of the culture of constant overwork and frankly the 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 reputation management has um so from my perspective look I love Apple I have um you know Grace Hopper this year I sure I was very glad to see women that I believed you know deserved a chance in tech being given a chance by Apple for, for internships. And I think that's wonderful. But I think when you're 
looking at people that have been around the industry for a while, like, you know, mid and, you know, like full stack engineers. I think if you go, where's your dream place to work? I think Apple is having a kind of tougher time recruiting people because of this exact culture. So I actually don't agree with what you just said based on you know what I hear. Well, so, when I'm, I'm not talking about like people who have been around the industry for a while. You know what I mean? I'm oh, talking, okay. sure, I'm talking sure. about people who are like maybe they, they just graduated from college or they, they're within – they have like two or three years of experience and they're able to get a job at Apple. Like they're, they're early in their careers, right? And they don't know any better because they haven't had a lot of work experience. Sure. So they may think that that is just part of the cost of doing business, as it were, to be able to work at a company like Apple, that that's just something that you have to persevere through when that's not really the case. Okay. Georgia, like, I mean, just to kind of end on a positive note here, like, how would you turn this around? Like, if you saw this, if you were in a, a role at Apple, like, what do people need to do to kind of support employees with, like, mental health issues? I mean, what, what would you like to see done differently here? Well, I think that for any company, and I think that, that this is for all companies, I think that they do a pitiful job of, one, having training so that people are aware of what other people go through, um, how they, they should be spoken to. I think that they need to ha- implement programs inside of, and for me, this is all companies, and there's many companies that have such levels of harassment, uh, being demeaned, like, unfortunately, there, it's it can be so pervasive and so horrible um, that we need to have, like, you know, education for the people that work there. This is how you would handle someone that has been um, attacked this is how you should handle what happens if someone is um, harassed. This is what happens if you find out that someone is dealing with anxiety issues. This is how you should treat someone when they're feeling depressed. And these are the programs that we then have in place to support people. I think that um, all people, I think that this is actually a government wide should be that you should get, you know, you get a free doctor, go to a doctor once a year, you should go be able to see a therapist once a year. And then if you go on to wanting to feel like you need to go into sick leave or stress leave because of that beforehand, you should have like a free set of six sessions that you can go and deal with whatever it is. Unfortunately, HR, HR is not there to keep you protected and make you feel safe. Mostly HR is there to keep the company protected against lawsuits. And so they don't really have a place that's a safe place if you're feeling upset or bothered that is not company-wide. So it should also be somewhere where you can go that is not owned and paid um, by the company itself, but somewhere where it would be secondary and the company would pay for that. So you can feel comfortable to be honest with someone and not think that this is then going to come back to your boss and so I think that there's a lot of things that need to be able to be changed so that people feel comfortable talking about it. And the one time if you tell someone that you're dealing with something and then you feel belittled or not listened to or think that then that's going to be a strike against your chances at a promotion, then, of course, that that will stop. That will start the secrecy and you're going to have to deal with this all alone. And that makes you feel really isolated and even worse. I think that was uh, very well said. And it is time now to move on to talk about my favorite and yours too, Linode. Everybody say it with me now. It's Linode, not Linode. <laughs> this episode of Disruption is brought to you by Linode, a combination Linode. of high-performance SSD Linux servers, Marco Polo, spread across eight data centers or data centers around the world. It makes Linode a fantastic Linode. solution for your server 
infrastructure, you can get a server up and running in under a minute. And I actually just heard that confirmed today. I believe it was with our uh, friend of the show, Russell Ivanovich, who was able to get a server up in under a minute. Literally has done that before. With plans starting at just $10 a month, which now gets you two gigabytes of RAM, people. Two gigabytes of RAM. You'll be able to choose your resources, your Linux distro, and node location right from the manager tool. And once you're up and running, you can easily deploy, boot, and resize your virtual server with just a few clicks. That's actually kind of a big deal, being able to resize the thing on the fly. So suddenly you've got 70 billion people signing up for your new service. All right, I'll just tap a few things and suddenly my server is ready to go with all of those people. Linode has over 400,000 customers, 400K, who are all serviced by their friendly 24-7 support team. Who They're even open over the holidays. So if on Thanksgiving you've decided to launch like a, uh, let's say a Black Friday store shoppy deal uh, app and you need a server for that, well, if your site goes down, if your server goes down on Thanksgiving, no problem, friends. They're open. They're ready to help you. If you have something you need help with, always there for you. Linode is also incredibly committed to improving its infrastructure. So because of all of the updates and upgrades they've made, they've seen a 300% performance increase. Linode is the full package for your server infrastructure needs. And they've got the power you acquire as well as the infrastructure and assistance that you need or want. So, how are you going to go make use of Linode? Well, as a listener of this show, if you go to linode.com slash disruption, you're not only going to be supporting all of us here, but you're also going to get $20 toward a Linode plan. So remember, it's $10 to start for signing up, and you're going to get $20. I think I hear free money here, folks. With a seven-day money-back guarantee, you've honestly got nothing to lose. If in five days you're like, man, I really don't need this Linode server, which you totally won't do, but if you do, don't worry about it. You're going to get your money back. So go to linode.com slash disruption to learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit. You can also use the promo code disruption20 at checkout. That's two ways to get 20% or $20 toward your plan. That's pretty awesome. Thank you so much to Linode for supporting this show and our lovely network, Relay FM. So before we, uh, we, we move on to talk about some kind of creepy electronical devices that can uh, <laughs> tell our emotions, um, we need to talk about some kind of creepy decisions that an online uh, outlet has chosen to make. Let's just say they featured an absolutely terrible person, uh, Out Magazine. <laughs> Uh, has chosen to feature Milo, whose last name I haven't taken the time to learn how to pronounce. Yiannopoulos. Yiannopoulos. I don't call him Milo. I refer to him as Yiannopoulos. There we go. So Yiannopoulos yep. uh, was featured in Out Magazine. Uh, and the the title reads, Send in the Clown, Internet Supervillain. Yiannopoulos doesn't care that you hate him. I was pretty upset about this piece. I was very upset about this piece. And, you know, we're not going to dedicate an entire topic to it. But, um, you know, I I have defended different journalists in the industry that have written profiles about, you know, Milo Yiannopoulos, uh, including Fusion. Fusion did one a while back. Um, I... 
I, I thought it was fair. What is really troubling about this um, profile that Out Magazine um, did is it, it has him dressed as a clown, and it just portrays him as this happy-go-lucky clown in the internet that's just trolling everyone. And it's just not true. He has ruined the lives of friends of mine. He has outed transgender women that I know, something can get them killed. Hmm. He has uh, made it very hard for them to get employment. He has targeted people. Um, he's gotten their children targeted. He, um, you know, he's caused a lot of extreme harm to a lot of people. He's but targeted really- people of color. He's targeted people of color, absolutely. You know, he's, um, you know, Leslie um, Jones, you know, the yes. stuff he has said about her is absolutely, um, you know, it's indefensible. It's cruel and it's, it's beyond racist. But what really gets me about this, Micah, and, you know, you and I are both in the LGBT community, mm-hmm. um, you know, this Bisexual Awareness Week, I'm bisexual. Um, what really gets me about Out Magazine doing this is they didn't spend one damn word talking about what Miley Yiannopoulos has done to transgender women because he's targeted them repeatedly. He has crusaded against transgender rights repeatedly. He has said things so cruel about transgender women. I can't even, you know, quote them on this, this show. And for a magazine that is allegedly about you know LGBT rights to not even dedicate one damn word to what he's done to transgender women is it just shows how much this particular outlet is a circus for white straight cisgender gay men and it, you know the the author Chadwick Moore has been completely resistant to you know any kind of critique. Uh, that's come out of this, even though a group of LGBT journalists came out today and critiqued him. Um, but what really gets me is if you look at Out Magazine's coverage of transgender people, it's flat out transphobic. It just is. There's a story that my friend Parker Malloy uh, was was posting today about them having some um, you know drag queen, which is not a transgender person, even though public doesn't understand that, um, and her like ridiculously offensive thing um, where she's emulating Donald Trump, and they're portraying is like uh, her as a transgender woman, and she's what? not. Yeah. So, yeah, this entire magazine, like, it's bad journalism. It's giving someone a platform that doesn't deserve one. And frankly, Micah, I know you and I both really strongly agree that the LGBT community has some real problems with centering white, um, white, gay, cisgender men. And, you know, this is just continuing that. And they very correctly got condemned by everybody over this. Yeah. And I am honestly, I'm glad that that happened because that was something that we kind of talked about where it is one of those things that uh, for many, it's not a surprise that this would take place. Uh, and, you know, be, besides the fact that this is not a surprise, the condemnation needed to happen because that it just it's absolutely awful. It's it's absolutely awful. And to to not touch on any of the terrible things that, you know, this, the whole, like, we, there's an editor's note at the beginning, and it talks about how uh, there's an era of social media tribalism, as if to pass off the fact that he has so many people who disagree with him and condemn him is just based on uh, social media tribalism is just so va- 
absolutely and offensively inaccurate. And I, I'm, I'm offended that an article, or rather, an, a publication that purports to represent me and the rest of our community would put this online. It's, it's just wrong. And, you know, I, I'm a little upset that there weren't more organizations that, uh, that champion the rights of LGBTQ people condemning this, this article and condemning out for doing this. Uh, but yeah, you know, after I saw this piece pop up, uh, I kind of did a little bit of a survey of the, the LGBTQ, uh, marketplace, I guess, in terms of publications and, the vast, vast, vast majority is either created uh, by or created for, or in most cases, both uh, white, cisgender, gay men. And that's yeah. just the, the plain facts of it. So it, it, do better. <laughs> yeah, do better. Yeah. And, um, you know, Chadwick Moore, um, I would never work with him on an article. I have a very, very, very short list of, of journalists I don't work with. Um, completely unprofessional. Completely unprofessional in the way he responded on Twitter. And, you know, if you're out there, I encourage you not to work with this journalist. Like, this is deplorable work. And that's all I have to say about it. So. I, I think that there's a huge issue that is happening with media and many different types of media when they are signal-boosting hatred. And yeah. hmm. it's it's really a scary trend. And I understand the want to get a lot of clicks. And so we do the same thing with uh, fear-based stories that... Um, are going to get you a lot of clicks. So we, we say, you know what, these are the things that, you know, learn the, the three things you need to do so you don't die from taking a plane, right? Like, I'm going to click on mm-hmm. that too. I fully get what's happening with that. But we are signal boosting hatred, which increases the amount of closed-mindedness, um, anger, uh, unrest. And in Canada, um, anyone that you know, is going to be pushing for trying to incite uh, violence or hatred. It's considered a crime. You're not allowed to say hateful, horrible things about any um, person or group um, that could incite violence. And so it's something that's really scary to see that's happening more and more often. And we often hide behind the fact of we were trying to show the other story but really what we're doing is we're giving more audience and and harming people in the process. Yeah, I think that's well said. Okay. Uh, do better. Uh, let me just reiterate <laughs> that. And now let's talk about... This is a happy show. This, yeah. one's, a, yes. this one's a real... This one's interesting. I have a feeling, though, Georgie, you might be a little creeped out by this. Uh, if what I know about you <laughs> so is, we're doing, is true, we're doing trauma and creepiness in the show today. Yes. Okay. Yes, okay. that is the it's theme here. It's a theme. But it's also a bit of like, well, let me just let me just break into the topic and uh, explain why I think this is so cool. Uh, so the article starts, and I think this is a great way to kind of sum it up. 
hey, buddy, you seem a little down. How about I order you a cheeseburger? So that is supposed to be coming from someone's phone, for example, because the phone can suddenly sense the emotions of the person that's carrying the phone, of the user, of of the person who's purchased the the device. So MIT, uh, some researchers at MIT have created something they call EQ Radio. And basically what it does is it throws radio signals at you. So we're going to have an article that's like five ways to protect yourself from radio signals. Anyway, uh, (laughs) it throws radio signals at you and then it takes them back in. And when it takes them back in, it analyzes how they have changed a little bit. And by doing that, it can tell how fast or slow your heart is beating and how your breathing may have changed. And in doing so, because our heart and our, our breathing are so linked to our emotions and are often kind of telltale signs of our emotions, uh, it can, with an 87% accuracy, tell how you're feeling. So obviously this has lots of implications, like in that example where uh, McDonald's can tell you that you should definitely go get, uh, I don't know, an ice cream sundae and a burger. Uh, But it also has some implications, of course, in uh, therapy and things like that. Or uh, it could be an extension to your smart home automation. So when I'm feeling upset, slowly dim the lights or bring down the heat or what have you. So Steve, you you dropped this on us and super exciting. What, what, uh, what, what do you think about all this? This is where I end up getting into conflict between my personal feelings and my professional feelings. Because, like, as somebody who is in business intelligence, like this is this is like amazing. Like like sentiment analysis is in and like tone analysis and those types of things of being able to tell like context along with with data is something that is that that a lot of companies want to be able to get their hands on for a lot of different reasons. And as somebody who's who works in that space, I could imagine a future like five or 10 years ago where five or 10 years from now, rather, where like every tweet has an emotion attached to it, like like you have your location attached to it now. Right. And that's really valuable information. It's also, from a personal perspective, creepy as hell. There, there's a video that was attached to this to this story where the MIT guys were explaining what you could do with it. And what you know, like you said, one thing is that it could automatically adjust the lighting or the mood if you know you're feeling down. It could change the music for you, or it could know that you're watching a movie and then send information back to the movie studio saying how you were feeling when you were watching the movie at time codes. And that's so you could imagine like something like like looking at your emotions and then trying to sell you ice cream if you were feeling depressed, right? Or not depressed, but you were feeling sad and then it would start send you coupons for ice cream or something like that. So it's like this this is the kind of thing that it feels like the force a little bit where it's very easy to go to the dark side and I I feel like there's a like a real a lot of really good applications for this but there could also be a lot of really creepy and really like bad applications for this as well and I don't know mm-hmm. like what is like a lot what, of technology yeah it's like anything else but it's like I don't know I I look at this and I see all the th- great things that we could do with it and I also see all the ways that it could be abused really really horribly so uh, have you guys ever seen the movie Equilibrium I think I have. Christian yes. Bale. Yes, I have. Gun well, They're not He's supposed to be emotional, that. right? Yeah. I haven't yeah, even that, seen the first Terminator, so no. You know, 1984. <laughs> um, I. So, yeah, I think that any technology can be used for good and for ill. And in some ways, this would be wonderful. It would be able 
to tell if you're feeling sad and maybe get you help if you're feeling really upset, be able to help you also learn to control your own emotions. A lot of people have actually cut out an emotion from them. They don't feel, you know, it's always a red flag if you're not able to feel sadness or you're not able to feel anger. And it's not that you cannot feel emotions, but there's one emotion that you have decided that you are not going to be able to express to yourself or to anyone else. And that's also a red flag. Um, and so that would help people be able to express it and feel okay about expressing it. But then the application can go creepy really quickly in that right. it would be able to tell who you like, who you don't like, what you're doing with things to be able to control you because it would know what you are thinking. Maybe even before you would know what you're thinking, it would know how to make you feel frightened and be able to use that to control what you do since it's such a good unconscious way of controlling people. And the other applications that would be, will be eventually, because we can actually do many more things than this already. We can tell what you're thinking through your brainwaves if you're thinking of, you know, an animal versus a plant versus a person. Wow, that's awesome. It's awesome and scary, but you can do that. You can already, we can already track uh, patterns and we're already starting to figure out what those patterns mean and how each person that's looking at a dog, what that signal looks like in the brain. And we're getting better and better at doing that. And so, you know, for the good applications, I'm like, yay, this sounds great. And then I'm like, oh, my God, this is Minority Report and Equilibrium yeah. and everything else of these things of um, we're going to be able to stop people from committing crimes before they've committed crimes. And where do we draw the line on what is fair and just and and how we feel about that. And so it's a really mixed, like no doubt it's going to happen whether we like it or not. I just hope that we think before we jump and actually put in laws in place to protect people's privacy, people's identity, and our thoughts, because soon our thoughts will no longer be private. And I think that that's will be a sad and, and maybe in some ways a good day, but I think a really sad day because I think that we deserve that privacy. Even in my sessions, I'm like, you know what? You do not, I can ask a direct question. You don't feel like answering me. You cannot answer me. You can say, I don't feel comfortable with that. Or you could even lie. And that is your right. Do not At feel which obligated. point you pull out the brain scanner and find out the answer anyway, right? Well, I, I'm a therapist, <laughs> right? So I actually am really good with telling when people are, are, you know, not comfortable with something or want to avoid something. But I respect that that's their right. I don't try to go digging to force people before they're ready to share something. I think that that's, that's really dishonest of me to do that. And I think that that would be breaking my bond of trust with someone else. So. Wow. Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. Uh, yeah. I, I, I can't touch that, Georgia. I, I guess I had some technical, technical thoughts about this. Um, so, so the article we're talking about has like, a, you know, it's, it talks about how without uh, measuring pulse rate, uh, it has a percentage of what was it? 60, 60% of figuring out what emotion you're feeling. That's not good. That's way worse than Siri. It's Siri stuff. Good. 
yeah, yeah. Like you've also got to realize, like, um, I've never talked to this particular team at MIT, but let me tell you what it's like when you do go to MIT and see these wonderful projects that they they write these breathtaking articles about being the next thing. And this may be the next thing, but I'm saying you'll go there and like they have this diagram in the video of like just a Wi-Fi transmitter and like a in like a ceiling. It's just magically automatically figuring it out. And you actually go, it's like some professor's lab and like there's a bunch of stuff barely wired together and then they'll go, <laughs> okay, we're gonna make it work. We're gonna oh, oh it did fail. Hold on, we're gonna get the result we want. <laughs> All right, we did it. And then and you see the the guy hiding behind the sheet yes. actually turning on and off the light. <laughs> oh. And then, and then the there's wizard. the great Oz. <laughs> then there's the great Oz. So, look, I don't know this team. I'm not trying to disparage their work. You know, the work we are interested in at GSX is all about emotional detection. So, um, Steve, thanks for showing this to me. I'm going to get in my car and go visit <laughs> these dudes at some point. That's awesome. Like, yeah. Hey, what's up? I want to hook this up to Unreal. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I just feel like it's... It's important, like, Georgia, even the device you're talking about, they can tell if I'm thinking about, I don't know, um, a lemon or a rat or whatever it was you were saying. <laughs> like, I'm sure that would require me to, to put on some sort of, like, brain-scanning helmet. So mm-hmm. it's a while away from this kind of stuff yeah. being ubiquitous. I do want to say, the, the, my research that we've seen so far for, you know, emotional detection based on your face based on the tone of voice and based on your body language does give you a pretty good idea. Um, And I think maybe I'm right or wrong here, Georgia, but I think what makes this feel invasive versus, you know, like a camera that can scan your face and take a guess at what you're feeling is the fact that this is kind of detecting things that wouldn't be perceptible to a normal human, right? So... Mm -hmm. Oh no! I, I think it's also that you—it's—it's it's invisible and it's silent. Every device has a Wi-Fi radio in it now. So theoretically, if this became ubiquitous, every device could potentially be doing this, whether you knew or not. I think that's really what's creepy about it. You know, I—I I agree with that, yeah. and I think it's—it's—it's it's somewhat intimidating to think like you know someone could be reading stuff around you and like emotionally manipulate you by like knowing your weaknesses and stuff like that yeah so i don't know i i understand the intimidation i guess for me i'm more interested in the upsides uh that you could do with this so i don't know yeah i mean i guess my feeling is that this i can imagine that this is probably also like a a prototype held together with duct tape in someone's lab. But I also figure that within two years, Google will have hired like half the team that was starting on this, given the resources to build it for real and then oh build God. it into, into something like Aloe where they say Let's that they're going to have, have Google. A... Beca- <laughs> if it's anything like Nest, it's not going to actually end up being. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, no, be no. more like Aloe where oh, they say they'll have end-to-end cool. encryption and then they uh, send all of your, oh, all of your uh, private not. text messages off to their servers to uh, tell you that you can order a pizza right now. So, yeah. well, two, two, the, you know, the iPhone 7 and 7 Plus were once duct taped uh, pieces of cardboard in a lab. And, yeah. and, you know, so yeah, this is, this is a ways off. The one question that I wanted to ask you, Steve, was yeah. I, I know that for some neurodivergent individuals, uh, things like 
emotional awareness and understanding of others is a serious uh, is is something you know that that is a struggle, and yeah. so I'm curious if you think you know this would because of the fact that it's not a uh, it's not a like Google Glass on your face or not some gigantic contraption you have to stick on other people. Instead, it's just basically like sensing beats in other humans. Do you think this would have implications in situations where a neurodivergent individual could not uh, understand someone else's emotional reactions? Um, I mean, it could, theoretically. I mean, that's kind of a next level type of thing, right? But, I mean, there could be some sort of like an assistive technology app that could... I mean, I'm thinking back to what was it, that uh, Cory Doctorow book like uh, the, about the mat, whatever it was in the Magic Kingdom, where everybody had like their the uh, the HUD in front of them that was telling them everything about everybody else. Um, that could be something that would be able to help uh, people who may have a hard time reading other people's reactions or emotions, um, at least understand on a level again, depending on how accurate it is. If it's mm-hmm. not, you know, if it ends up being only 75% accurate, that could actually do more harm than good, too. So, right. you know, I, I maybe, but I, that feels like it would probably be a ways off before it would be reliable enough to be used in that sort of a way. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you, anyone has watched the show Black Mirror, which goes through. Uh, yes. It's amazing. And it goes through all kinds of really interesting um, ways and technology and thoughts about this. But you know, once we become so comfortable using technology to read other people's emotions and we don't act, it's a skill, right? So you get better at reading people's emotions the more that you focus on reading people's emotions as with any other skill that we have. But once we rely on our technology to be better than we are at doing this, then once that technology gets hacked and it's like, don't trust them, (laughs) they just lied to you. They want to take your money. Like this could also, I see many harmful ways in which this could be used to manipulate people into swaying them to other people's will. On that, on that happy thought. Well, yes. Georgia, I'm just on the, I'm going to end this on the happy thought that I'm going to take your advice. And I hear you when you say that, like, not being able to express emotion is, is bad for you. So I'm going to make a double effort to not hide my emotions and feelings anymore. I'm just going to let it all out. Ugh. Well, Okay, just to be (laughs) on that point, it actually is not, I didn't say that you should let every emotion out. I was saying because emotional resilience is actually really important as well. And having emotional control instead of reactivity is really important. But to not be able to share or express one of the, the five main emotions is really important. So, you know. Don't don't just go with with that and and you know we we also want to be able to that we control our emotions not our emotions control us yeah I don't very, think I'm in any danger of that <laughs> okay uh, very well uh, one one last note on that is that I've been promised a second season of Black Mirror for so long and I still haven't seen one it's and out. I am upset about that it's co- it's coming out uh, there was already a date I believe I thought that there was a yeah. date for Black Mirror oh may- maybe I didn't know about the date. Well, we'll have to uh, we'll have to follow up on that. Uh, last but not least is, of course, wonderful questions, comments, stories, poems, etc. from our dear listeners. Steve, what do you yeah. got for us? This yeah, week? so we actually have a uh, we have a couple. Of qu- we have a bunch of stuff coming through Twitter that we'll get to. Um, we have a question that came in through uh, through the voicemail 
that I think is actually relevant to the first topic that we were talking about today. So it's kind of timely. So let, let's do that. Maybe we can uh, help this person out with a more specific uh, situation. Hi, Disruptacons. I think I have a question that all four of you can answer. In June, I started in an internship, and it's been going pretty good. But recently, there's been some problems with my boss. Um, about my second weekend, he called me into a personal meeting and talked about personal development or professional development, I should say, and things like, oh, what can you do to work harder around here? Since then, those meetings every two weeks have gone from professional development into something along the lines of professional development. It seems that he's taken it upon himself to lead my life the way he wants it to. Um, this has led me to have some problems when it comes to feeling okay at work and things like that. Um, for instance, one of the meetings he asked me the question, what am I most disappointed in myself in? And I really did not feel good about that question. I, I don't think it's within his right as my boss to ask me that question or within my need as an employee to even answer that question. But he's put so much weight onto these meetings that I feel an immense pressure to be able to answer them. Anyway, there's questions like these and some other more prying things that has led me to have what I can only describe as like anxiety whenever he's around where I, I can't concentrate very clearly. I'm paying attention to whether or not he's looking at me. And I honestly just don't feel good at work anymore. Another thing that's happened with this particular internship is that my boss gives me the expectation that I'm always online and it's become disruptive, I guess, to my personal life. And I can't really feel relaxed at home because I don't know if he's going to call me at any moment or anything. So I guess my questions are, is it within my boss's right to ask me personal questions like that and try to guide my personal life? And second, is it normal to have this always online feeling? I feel like these questions might be pretty common to somebody in my place. Thanks for hosting this great show. I've been a fan since Isometric. Thanks a lot. Bye. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, the, the, the two questions there, uh, you, you basically asked about, is it within their rights? And also, um, you know, is it having to deal with this needing to always be online thing? I mean, what I will say is I don't have a law degree or anything like that. Um, I think when it comes to your personal life outside of work, um, if we're talking, you know, the rights of an employer versus the rights of an employee, they, if it's not affecting work, then that does not pertain to them at all. Now, if we're talking about someone who may feel like they have taken you on as like a mentee or something, if there was once a mentor-mentee relationship, that could give some uh, at least understanding to why these questions are being asked of you, uh, because I've I've had that at least happen before, and I mean, luckily in my case it was it was with someone who I trusted, but this sounds like your your personal life is being guided by someone who you've not asked, and you're in a position where it's difficult for you to say, 
hey, I would rather not talk about my, my personal life uh, f- for fear of, of getting in trouble with your boss. And so I'm really sorry that you're in that position. And I think the most important thing to note there is that, you know, your rights as an employee, as long as it's not affecting work, uh, you, you, you don't have to discuss your life outside of work because it, it, whenever it comes down to like the, the strict letter of the law and OSHA and things like that, if it's not affecting work, then you don't need to discuss those things that are outside of work. Yeah. And, and I mean, I guess it also, it's, it's hard to answer some of these questions to some extent without knowing what type of inter- internship it is. I mean, there are some industries where you are expected to be available all the time. And, and, you know, in it, there are times when like, I've, I've been on on call. We have on call rotations. I've been, I've actually, there have been some episodes of this show under vice metric where I've mysteriously disappeared for 10 minutes because I got called while I was on call while we were in the middle of recording. And, um, I, not mysterious to my co-host, obviously, but mysterious to no, because she left the mic on the whole time over here. <laughs> that's Hello? Actually, that's actually true. Who's responsible for this? <laughs> oh no, it's, no, no, <laughs> Steve, your mic is on. No, <laughs> my mic was on, but my headphones were not on. That was the problem. Um, <laughs> But um, but so, I mean, you know, if you're if you're responsible for servers and servers are have 24 seven uptime and something breaks, you may you know, that's that's something that's that's potentially reasonable. If you're um, you know, if you're doing, you know, financial analysis or something like that and it's you're just you're preparing spreadsheets, maybe that's not it, it depends on the culture and it depends on the industry. You may just need to get more of like an outside opinion from somebody who's a little bit closer to be able to tell you if that's if that's appropriate or not but there are definitely some com- some companies that have that culture that even though they may not need to that they do expect you to be available all the time and it's up to you as an employee to to decide you know whether the the pros of that job outweigh the cons that that culture you know is, is contributing to your to your lifestyle i um it's 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 a difficult question to answer because i don't want to give you um, the wrong advice and it's something that affects your lifestyle. Um, and you know, who knows how easy or hard it will be to have another internship that will be to that. But there are laws in place in other countries such as France that are actually against, uh, like where, where does the boss, you know, employee relationship stop and, and so that they're not allowed to message you unless it's one of the cases where that is part of your job description after hours. And there's only a certain amount of hours that you are allowed to be reached and that they do not, they should not be guaranteed. Like if they ask you to give them your Facebook password or they want to friend you on that, that that would be considered illegal unless you otherwise, for some reason, because you work at Facebook. And so they need to, you know, I don't know what it would might be, but certain reasons that they would need that. And even to the advice that I would usually give, which would be to speak to them because we teach people how to treat us by what we say and maintaining proper boundaries and consequences to if those boundaries are broken. That's how we deem what is okay. So the unfortunate position is by the first time that he did this, and of course, by the first time you were shocked and you were just like, okay, and you know, this is someone you look up to, so you're going to answer these questions. Then they believe now that that is all right. And so usually I would say if they're kind and you think that they're trying to do this to be caring, to be able to say, you know what, I I don't really feel that comfortable with this line of questioning or why would this even 
more adept would be the, the question of, why do you think that that is important? Or how would you answer such a question? Or do you feel the same way to see if this would be something that would be reciprocal or if they would say, you know what, I, you know, you're right, that that might be something that may feel you, make you feel uncomfortable. I'm very sorry. A lot of people don't know what your boundaries are if you have not already explained that to them. It's actually one of our newest DVDs in the Anxiety Video Series because it's something that it's very difficult to maintain. And I think that we're not taught how to maintain proper boundaries with that. You're unfortunately in a really difficult position though, because this is not an equal relationship. They're a boss in a company that you probably want to work at and you want to get a really good um, referral to that, or maybe even be hired by them. And so it's a much more difficult position because you don't want to offend. And some people, even with a question that is valid and it's fully okay for you to say, you know what, I don't feel comfortable with this. Someone could be offended by that. And now they have a certain amount of control over you. So I would also say, look at the different options that you have as other places that you could be placed and then see, because it seems like you're already feeling a lot of anxiety towards this. And if you do nothing, that will grow. And that's why it's so difficult. So now we're also dealing with your health versus your job, which is also important to your health. And so it's a really complex situation, unfortunately, that you're in. I think that discussing this, and, and thank you so much for bringing um, such a, a serious question to the show, because other people can then think about, what would I say if my boss asked me for my Facebook password or tried to friend me or wanted me to, um, you know, hang out with them after hours or expected me to, you know, bring back their dry cleaning or, you know, call me up in the middle of the night and I'm supposed to answer their text or they're upset at me because they gave me a job proposal at five o'clock on Friday and they expect it done at eight o'clock on Monday and there's no working hours in that time. How would I handle that? And they're very difficult situations that at least if you have thought about it before, it makes it easier to deal with, though it's always puts you in a very difficult spot. I say let your employer work you to death and just, you know, take it it like the animal you are and go to your your grave unhappy. That's obviously the answer. That's also obviously breach joking. Yes. (laughs) In case, dear listener, you did not pick up on that. Yes. Uh, Well, I guess since we're already talking about Facebook in this context, too, we also got a a question via uh, DM to the Twitter account from Elizabeth, who said, uh, my boss has requested to ask to add me as a friend on Facebook. I'm very uncomfortable with this, mostly because my boss already intrudes more than I'm comfortable into my personal life. I'm not sure how to handle the Facebook friend request. What should I do? Fake Facebook profile. A lot of people do that. No, Brie is right. This she's not being facetious in that that answer. That is, I, I do. I yeah. gave it to my my pastor that married me. I'm like, are you friend of me on Facebook? I'm like, oh god, no, he, he does not need to see my face. So he does not like because we went to Old Miss together, and like, so he's going to know a lot of the same people. I'm like, oh no. So I just made a new Facebook account, and every now and then, like, I'll go over there and like write a Bible verse. So like, you know, like. <laughs> You know, like all the all the people in my life that I just need to keep at a distance. And then I pull a Georgia Dow and I go, oh, I just don't really use Facebook that much. It's a total lie. So well, that's, that's how you Georgia do Dow. it. I actually don't use Facebook. <laughs> right. Okay, Georgia. Link, link, 
We understand. I don't either. Um, I was just gonna. I was just gonna say. Well, first of all, and obviously we can't get uh, your response to this. Uh, but first of all, has the person noticed? Um, because I feel like you know, it's one of those things that. If if they're actively pestering you about it, then that is an, an incredibly serious problem. But uh, if it's best to just kind of let it float in the middle of nowhere, if it's not affecting you, you know, anxiety-wise at least, by seeing that, because you can always tap the little hide button and just get rid of it. Now, if it were to come up, then uh, a fake Facebook profile might make sense if you're worried that your job might be at stake for the sake of Facebooking, you know, Facebook friending someone, which again goes back to our discussion about employee and employee your relationships and how it's ridiculous that that's even a thing. Um, but there are also, and I have a few family members who I uh, would prefer not to hear their long rants about uh, how I'm going to hell because I am in love with a man uh, who don't see any of that stuff. I, there's a, a special, like, you can friend someone and then you add them to a timeline and the they only see certain posts from you. Uh, and it's, you know, you can control that very, very, very carefully. So there are options on Facebook surprisingly to keep people from seeing the things that you don't want them to see but uh it's it's you know it's a step that i i feel bad like even having to give this kind of advice or even having to give the advice like make a face fake facebook profile because in a perfect world you could just say hey boss i don't want to add you as a friend because i want to keep our relationship professional and i feel like facebook is not a professional thing and then boss would be like that's great let's do that but uh, in, a, in the real world, that's unfortunately not how it works some of the time. So I understand your concern and, and at least fear there. Yeah. How about this? Like, I just looked at my Facebook. I'm sorry, my, well, someone else's Facebook is <laughs> nearly because I don't use Facebook. <laughs> and there are the, over 3,000 friend requests. They're there. They're unanswered. So just be like, yeah, I don't know. I didn't see it. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so yeah. popular that <laughs> I just can't get to all of them. So sorry. Yeah, that's that's my professional advice. Just yeah. just tell them you're too popular to answer yeah. all yeah. your Facebook friends. Sorry, requests. I must have missed it in the flood of friend requests I'm getting from that's from right. all the other people. That's yeah, right. I only I only accept you know this many friend requests and I'm maxed yeah. out. Sorry. Yeah. Um, or or what I, is it I you say Georgia is it I don't do that. I don't is see that. that. I just <laughs> don't do that. I'm sorry. But to say that for for work, say like yes, I don't I don't uh, you know friend you know my 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 work bosses but thank you very much for requesting that or be really honest with that just say i'm sorry i don't feel comfortable with that yeah yeah or i mean if you do i mean you have to legitimately have this policy because if you don't it'll be found out but if well, you, you could do just have say i don't feel saying, comfortable with that yeah, and yeah, that could do, mean yeah that it, i just don't feel comfortable and they they will probably be like oh really why and i just say i don't feel comfortable with that and that but say thank you though and then walk away yeah I mean, Wait, here's yeah. another idea. Here's another idea. So you could set up profiles so specific people can only see certain things yeah. and just post baby pics until yes, that's the thing I and do. just send it only to him. And yes. then just like keep posting baby pics. Just I'm talking like it doesn't even need to be your baby. I don't even <laughs> like babies, but like find babies and just post that or like long political screens that don't even make sense or cat pictures until he defriends you. Yes. Like you can totally exploit this. Yeah. Can you figure out their least favorite food or something yeah. like they're, they're, they're something they're terrified of, like spiders or snakes, and just post spiders and snakes all mm. the time? 
Or, or spiders with snakes. Yeah. Or spiders with snakes, <laughs> with feet and cats. Yeah. Oh, that, that's for me. It does that's sound how really... how you get me to unfriend you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think that you want to create, again, a really good boundary to what you feel comfortable with and where you don't. And if you set that right away from the start, the problem with... Um, not being straight about that and, and, you know, saying like, you know, yeah, I'm sure I did friend you <laughs> or didn't I? I? Oh, you did. I didn't see that. And then they're like, oh, well, here it is right now. This is my name. You know, go do it. By not saying straight out that I don't feel comfortable with that um, or any other statement, you're now setting a boundary of, oh, I would do that, though. And that is dangerous territory because there may be another position where they're trying to be overly intrusive into your private life, which you have a right to have. And then there will be, it will be more difficult for you to set a boundary at that time. And so the first time someone steps over your boundary is the best time for you to let them know that that's the way that you feel about something. And I think that a lot of people, we don't feel comfortable with being able to say it. And sometimes when you're new at it, you might say it that might come off too harsh or too abrasive or not harsh enough. And so that's a skill that if you haven't been taught to do really young, you could go either too soft about it or too difficult and make people feel hurt on either side. Very well said. Uh, Steve, do you have any more questions for us? I I think I have one more that I think we can end on that I think we will all be happy to, to answer from our good friend Slinger tail, who has been, been good about filling the the inbox. What animal would you be if you could be an animal? And it's okay if it's extinct. And if it's okay if it's extinct. Uh, uh, Georgia, you first. Oh, don't. Don't do that. I don't know yet. Um, go, Georgia, go. Uh, um, uh, okay, I don't know what the animal is, though. It was this giant um, dinosaur that looks like a absolutely massive... Um, crocodile dinosaur. Like, usually it would be a flying animal, so it'd be like, a, you know, pterodon or something like that, like something like a pterodactyl that's, like, but massively huge. But there's also this huge, giant crocodile that would swim through the water, and it was, you know, I don't know, the size of, like, 12 T-Rexes, and it was the largest thing that we have ever known that's existed, and I'm like, that would be kind of neat to be an apex, um, you know, dinosaur in, you know, prehistoric times and just kind of, like, swim around and you know. In prehistoric times, no, right now. You want to pull a Jurassic Park and go just tear up downtown San Francisco. <laughs> okay, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. That okay. would be pretty incredible. Okay, okay. I've got I've got to paint you a word picture, okay? So I want for you to imagine Steve leaving work. He feels eyes on him, but he doesn't know where they are. And then, then later that night, he's eating dinner with his family, and he feels something staring at him. And he looks out the window, and there it is. Havanese Don Brianna Woo staring out there, stalking Steve Lubitz. Just always there. That's like call, like call the wild. You're, you're yeah. uh, like call yeah. the wild for the 21st century. That's right. Seriously, though, like dogs seem like they have a pretty good life, right? Like you get to like, you know, you get to eat and just lay on the couch and sleep 18 hours a day. If you're our dogs, you can poop wherever you want. Yeah. Rules. It's a pretty good life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They've got it made. They've got it made. All right, Michael, what what about you? 
Uh, I think I would choose to be, uh, I know this is like, oh, of course, uh, I would choose to be an eagle. And the reason why is because I think any flying creature would be fun, but the eagle doesn't have uh, many predators that it has to worry about. Uh, so it lives a life atop like mountains and things, which is where I want to live anyway. So it'd be pretty close to how I'd want to live my actual existence. And at the same time, I get to be the cool state bird and and, uh, fly so it would be a bald eagle. Catch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be a bald eagle. Um, so I'd have to lose my hair, but that's okay for the sake of being an eagle. Uh, and I catch mice, and uh, I would leave the rats though because I had pet rats growing up, so they would still get to live. What would and you eat then? I, I would eat mice, and I would eat snakes, especially. Fair, fair. And uh, if there was ever a Havanese dog that looked like Brianna Wu, I might pick that up <laughs> and hang out with it. <laughs> Uh, and so, yeah, I would, uh, I, I, I tell would you illegal. what, Micah, this is how it works. So you come by and, okay, so I want to hang up work picture. So you come down and you swoop up and you grab Havanese, Brianna Wu, and then you like, like Why, the Wolverine yeah, fastball special with, with Colossus. <laughs> and then you throw me into Steve's face and I'm like, Rrr! and then suddenly it's Tyrannosaur Georgia down behind Steve Lewis. <laughs> This sounds like a, an episode of the Wonder Twins. It is. Oh, I posted in, uh, in our Skype. Uh, is is it the Sarcos Sarcosuchus or Sarcosuchus? Well, this is a family show. <laughs> the name of your your dinosaur because that is like the biggest alligator looking dinosaur I've ever seen. Meaning flesh crocodile? I, I don't know about this. That's well, that what is... they called Georgia in high school. Oh my God! Uh, well, I. What about you, Steve? You've been uh, delaying your answer. I, I think that I would like to be a sloth. Oh, those are. They yeah, are. Yeah. I mean, sloths are. They're very good at conserving energy. They get a lot, lots of rest. They hang out and just munch on trees all day. And have you ever seen a picture of a sloth and just not made your day like that much happier? Seeing sloths just hanging out. Like that's one of Shane's favorite animals. Yeah, like there there is this article with just twenty from BuzzFeed, a listicle, of just like twenty five buckets of sloths. And honestly, like I you even my cold black heart is warmed by by looking through this this gallery of pictures. So I think that sloths are awesome. I would I would be happy to be a sloth. So what you're saying is next time Brie asks some things that you love that make you happy, you'll just say sloths five times. Yes, a bucket of sloths. Okay, a bucket of There's sloths. There's no sloth ride at Disney World, Steve. <laughs> there's a dinosaur ride at, Steve, at Disney World. I, I, well, there's sloths in saying. Zootopia. Maybe there will be a sloth ride at Disney World soon. Oh. Yeah. You could go to, the, go to the Zootopia DMV. That'll be a fun ride for the whole family. I haven't George, seen Zootopia, Steve, so I don't understand your joke. Uh, I haven't either. Oh, I just saw no. the trailer. Spoilers. Okay. Goodness. You know, sloths move so slowly that they actually grow moss on them. I heard they're smelly, too. Well, yeah, but, you know. No, they most, actually, most that's why they are. blend so well into the trees yeah. is that they have moss that grows on them. Yeah. I don't think I could live in existence that moves so slowly. I would just be – my my brain moves too quickly for that slow. But I guess I'd be the sloth, so then I'd have the sloth brain, so everything would be fine. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Uh, it would be fast for you. 
It would be, yeah, I'd be like, yeah, that's too fast. Uh, <laughs> I think that that wraps things up. And all that's left to say is that if you'd like to get in touch and posit these questions that uh, we, we ponder here on the show, you can leave us a call at 508-418-3532. Again, that's 508-418-3532. Please find us on Twitter at underscore disruption FM. You can tweet with the hashtag disrupt me to underscore disruption. FM to get us to answer your question. And if you'd rather send us a direct message, that's okay too. Uh, one thing that I would like to note is please do let us know if you would like to remain anonymous or you're okay with your name or names or three names or what have you being read on the show. Uh, we will default to you being anonymous. Now, please do go review the show on iTunes because it helps. It puts us up there in the top and people see the show and they come and they learn about sloths and moss and bald eagles and, and uh, Havanese dogs. And it's just, it's a great time. So please go review the show and tell us what you would be. Ooh, what animal would you be and why? And if you're curious to find the links to all the stuff we talked about, please go to relay.fm slash disruption. Thank you to Relay for being so awesome. You can find me, uh, not on Twitter right now. I'm away from Twitter right now. So if you want to reach out to me, you can send me an email. I'm taking George's play uh, at it's Micah at imore.com. Uh, I'd also like to do a quick note. Uh, Brie mentioned earlier, this week is bisexuality week, uh, by awareness week rather. And uh, I, we're out there. Um, you know, there was a, a recent story that happened that I, I just want to just summarize this briefly because I think that it captures something so so perfect uh, about the essence of, of the problems in, in bisexuality in the community. Uh, a man was requesting asylum here in the United States uh, because he was, he was bisexual, and if he was going to be extradited, if he was going to be taken back to his country, he would have faced at least jail time and possibly death because there it is still illegal to be anything other than heterosexual. Uh, the judge in the United States ruled that he was not gay enough to be bisexual. And because he was not gay enough to be bisexual, he was going to be extradited back to his country where his life was in danger. Uh, it's a common theme uh, and a common put down of those who are bisexual that uh, uh, bisexuality is just a trip on the way to being fully gay and fully understanding yourselves and, and all of these other uh, ridiculous things. And uh, the fact is, if you, it, it doesn't matter, it's a spectrum. And wherever you fall on the spectrum, if, if you don't fall on the spectrum, whatever. If you tell me that you are bisexual, then doggone it, you're bisexual. And I respect that. So please respect that in others. Uh, please. Uh, it's it's an important thing, and there are so many bisexual people uh, who face more depression and more issues than their uh, homosexual and heterosexual brothers and sisters. So just keep that in mind, and uh, if someone tells you that they are the person that they are, then maybe believe that, because that's not a bad thing to do. I just have to admit, Micah, I, I don't believe heterosexuality really exists. I just can't imagine it. Like, yeah, so that's just me. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's hard I think to imagine. That, uh, 
Simone also Simone also holds that belief. Yeah. Everybody's a little bit bi. Uh, Steve, <laughs> if people are looking for you, I think you're still on Twitter. Where can they find you? Well, they can find me outside uh, filling my bucket of sloths to defend against the Havanese. <laughs> uh, and, and you can also uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Wicked Good. Embry, where can people find you? Just like send me a face trip book request, guys. Like just throw it in the pile. I'll I'll get right to it. Some or some find scriptures. me on the Twitter machine. Yeah. So so that face that Facebook is account is I'm I'm totally Brianna Wu. No no kidding. <laughs> totally Brianna Wu. Yeah yeah. Also, if you write this show and you don't want us to use your name, just sign it Brianna Wu. Like whatever weird problem you've got. <laughs> Totally attribute that to me. Like, that's fine. You have my permission to do that always. Or you can find me on the Twitter machine. At Space Cat Gal, right? That's, that, that's right. That's, my that's with Twitter a K, handle. not a yes. C. No, it's and, with a C, Micah. Oh, Come on. Ooh, now I need to find out if that's, that probably is a real account, huh? Uh, <laughs> and Georgia, if people are looking for you, uh, I don't know if you're back on Twitter yet or, or somewhere else. Let me know. Where can we find you? Uh, I'm still on Twitter, but you can check me out. Uh, you can send an email to uh, Georgia at imore.com. And if you're dealing with your own issues with boundaries and consequences, you can check that out. It's one of our newest videos that is up on the website at anxiety-videos.com. Awesome, awesome. All that's left is for Steve to tell our audience the thing he feels he must tell them each week. Take it away, Steve. Go, go, go gather up your slots and go. We're done here. We're done. Go listen to something else. Goodbye. (laughs) 